Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We are into episode number four and it is part two of the supplements topic and today I'm going to go through more ergogenic aids and um, supplements for performance. Last week we touched briefly on um, food type supplements so things like your micronutrients so different um, vitamins and minerals. So I'm going to go straight in today and if you listen to last week's you will have heard me say that of course supplements are not needed in the diet of most people. Um, you should never just skip straight to supplements when you're deciding that you're going to start eating well and getting healthy. It's not the first thing you should look at. It's absolutely the last thing that you should think about adding in and it's only then that it will usually make a difference if any to you um, to your day-to-day life or to your performance, you have to have everything else nailed down. So that's your food, your um, hydration, your sleep, your stress levels, your actual training protocols um, and your training load and your program and everything else. So unless you have all of that in order, there's no point really relying on supplements to um, do much for you. So going into the first one I want to talk about today, and it's the most uh, researched supplement out there at the minute, but it's also one that I find people are very wary about for some reason. Um, whether that is like women worrying whether they should take it or not, are they are they allowed to take it? Or if it's even men, I've had some men say to me, oh no, I don't want to get big. That's not what I'm trying to do. Or that's absolutely not what creatine does. So creatine monohydrate monohydrate is just the basic form of creatine and that's the only one that you need to really go for. Um, It's the cheapest form and it does exactly what creatine does. So there's no need to go for the more expensive forms of creatine. We already have creatine in our bodies. Um, It's found in most meats, especially in red meat and in some oily fish as well, like uh, salmon. And basically creatine is what helps with um, our energy source, so like recycling our energy source. So we have this thing called ATP, and that is adenosine triphosphate is what it is. And that's basically the body's energy. And it's like the last thing that your food becomes before it gets used up, like to move our body. Um, And it's used to fuel like our muscle contractions. So when we're training... And it's mostly at a high intensity. So think of, let's say, team sports, running, sprinting, um, and in the gym as well, if you are doing like high rep training. That is when this will work best. Because what creatine does, it helps with ATP recycling. So ATP, like I said, is your energy, the body's energy source, and it's used for muscle contraction. And that gets broken down quite quickly um, to ADP, which is adenosine diphosphate. And it actually then leads to um, a buildup of lactic acid, which I might speak about in um, a few seconds, if I remember. <laughs> so that basically consuming creatine in a supplement form helps to recycle ATP at a faster level than your body can um, with its regular creatine stores through food um, in the body. So what you're doing is just giving yourself that little extra boost when it comes to that type of training. So that might be getting an extra couple of reps in or you know, getting that last sprint before you tire out. That is literally 
what creatine is used for. So it's not going to make you bigger. It might um, make you bigger in the form that if you're doing hypertrophy training, you might be able to work a little bit harder, which makes you, and if you're consistent in the gym, you do that over time, you're going to have a better training session um, each time. And that's in turn going to lead to, let's say, if your goal is to get bigger. But that is not what creatine is um, made to do. So don't think that if you take it, it's just going to magically make you bulk up. Now, something that people sometimes are not aware of is that creatine stores water in the muscle cells. This is absolutely normal and it's something that you need to be aware of in that your weight will go up on the scales. So just know that if you start to take creatine, your weight will go up on the scales and that is absolutely normal. It's just uh, water being pulled into the muscle cells. It might even make you look, if you are lean already, it'll make your muscles look a little bit fuller. So um, that is something that you need to know that it'll, it'll cause a little water retention. So the scales will go up. You will need to drink a little bit more as well to um, take this into account. So increase your water intake um, when you're taking creatine just so that you don't get like cramps um, or stomach discomfort. And the amount of creatine that you should be taking, like I said, monohydrate form is absolutely perfect. And you should aim for about three to five grams per day. Another really common question people ask when it comes to creatine is, am I supposed to be doing a loading phase? You're not supposed to be doing a loading phase. You can if you want, but it's not um, necessary. And that basically just means that you might take one scoop four times a day for the first week and then go back to um, once a day. So three to five grams a day, four times a day in the first week. Um, Sorry, three to five grams, four times a day in the first week. And then after that, just your usual three to five grams once a day. Or you can just start off taking three to five grams once a day and continue like that. All it's going to do is you might feel the effects of it a little bit sooner if you do the loading phase. That's all. So that's creatine. I hope that kind of clears things up. I'm trying to keep this quite um, short and concise so that you just know what it is, what it does, if it suits you and how much you should take. So there you go now. I'm going to move on from that one. So the next one kind of goes hand in hand with creatine and it's a really popular one at the minute as well is beta alanine. Um, This is actually, you might know it if you take pre-workout, beta alanine is what will give you that kind of tingly feeling in your hands. Um, It can be in other places as well, but it's parasthesia and that is just a side effect of beta alanine and it's absolutely normal. So again, we can get beta alanine in small amounts from food. Like I think it's chicken um, mostly that you can get beta alanine and the same type of training. So running, sprinting, lifting, um, that type of training, like I mentioned when I spoke about creatine, that leads to a buildup of lactic acid. And this is where beta alanine comes in. So lactic acid breaks down into um, lactate and like hydrogen ions in the body. And people always think lactic acid is uh, associated with, um, you know, decreasing performance, but that's not exact. It's not hand in hand. Um, it just happens to be correlated. So um, the lactic acid, like I said, gets broken down into lactate and hydrogen ions. And the hydrogen ions is what causes the buildup of um, acid. And that's what causes that burn. So it's not actually the lactic acid itself. 
Um, and what the beta alanine does then, um, if you take that, is it helps to buffer the acid buildup from that. So it just changes it into CO2 and then we exhale it like as we're breathing. So that is something that may be beneficial for people, like I said, who do sprinting, um, lifting, um, if you play team sports, just trying to get that last push. So beta alanine and creatine go very well together. Um, the dosage that you should take if you're thinking about taking beta alanine would be about three to six grams. And I think it does take a while for beta alanine to um, build up in your body. So I think it's about five plus weeks. So you might be better off doing a loading phase of beta-alanine for a couple of weeks, just taking maybe double the dose for a couple of weeks and then going back down to three to six grams. Um, Like I said, the parasitia, this is just um, a side effect and it's absolutely normal. It's just a little tingling effect. And if you find that it's annoying or you don't like it, then you can just reduce the amount of beta-alanine that you're taking or spread it out throughout the day because it's not time dependent you don't have to take it in pre-workout and this is a mistake that people make as well they think that if they're taking a pre-workout and it happens to make them tingle that oh it's working this is kicking in now that's that's not how beta alanine works it doesn't have to be taken pre-workout it just has to be taken in a day so just because it makes you feel that kind of tingling sensation doesn't mean that it's going to make you perform better there and then but it might have a placebo effect and it might make you work a little bit harder. So there you go. So that's beta alanine. So creatine and beta alanine, they're the two really popular ones um, that are kind of out now. And I think they're two of the better ones. So like if you're thinking about taking supplements for performance and you do like team sports, let's say GAA or soccer, um, hurling, um, if you do even swimming at a high level, if you're in the gym lifting, let's say hypertrophy, so like eight to 12, 15 reps, that kind of training, then those two supplements may help you. Um, so the next one then I'm going to speak about is caffeine. Again, this is a very well-known supplement. It's the world's most used substance or drug, if we call it that. Um, And it does or it has been shown to aid in performance and fat loss. Um, It can help to like increase your power output. Um, Obviously, it helps you focus and improves your alertness. Um, But again, there's some downsides to caffeine as well. So an average cup of coffee would have about 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine in it. And for you to know how much you should you should have in a day for its benefits, for sports performance, it's in between three and nine milligrams per kilo. And start at the bottom end of that. So start with three milligrams per kilo of your body weight first and see if that improves anything with your sports performance. Um, first of all, before just jumping straight up to nine. Um, because caffeine does increase your stress hormones as well like it can mess with your blood pressure and your heart rate like your sleep of course um it has a long half-life so caffeine let's say you have a strong cup of coffee of about 300 milligrams of caffeine at lunchtime say 12 o'clock so it has a long half-life of over six hours so if you have 300 milligrams of caffeine at 12 o'clock in the day then six hours later at 6 p.m., there's still going to be half of that amount, so 150 milligrams of caffeine in your system. And then six hours on from that again, so say 12 a.m., you're going to have half that amount again, so half of 150, so 75 milligrams 
is still going to be in your system. So you really need to keep this in, in mind because it can affect your sleep. It might not affect your sleep in that you can't fall asleep, but it'll affect the quality of your sleep. And that is something that you do not want if your goal is fat loss or performance because sleep is so important um, for your recovery as well. So that's when it comes, that's caffeine and you can get it in tablet form as well. Um, It's actually easier to control the amount that you're consuming, I suppose, from tablet form. So you can get about 60 milligram tablets and you can choose then, pick and choose how much you want. Like I said, three to nine milligrams per kilo of your body weight per day if it's for sports performance. Um, Also, if you are taking it, before a training session or an event make sure that you do take it about 45 40 minutes beforehand don't be taking it just before you go train thinking that it's you're going to get the benefit of it it takes about half an hour 40 45 minutes to kick in so if you're having let's say an espresso or a black coffee before you train which is a perfect form of pre-workout um make sure you do it within the hour before you train so that it actually has time to kick in so there we go now that's caffeine covered as well there's only a few more that I want to cover like I said I want to try and keep this short so I'm just keeping an eye on the time so that's creatine betalanine and caffeine um another one that is really popular or people ask about it a lot is L-carnitine and this is in the L-carnitine so L-C-L-T form so it's L-tartrate form because there's a few different forms this Um, can be beneficial in an anaerobic training so that's really high intensity training that doesn't use oxygen Um, and it's said to help reduce your soreness post-training so obviously when you're doing really high intensity training or long duration training um, you're causing like micro trauma um, from that session which is obviously going to lead to discomfort and soreness and inflammation in the body and L-carnitine L-tartrate so L-C-L-T LCLT has just been shown to possibly reduce the levels of soreness post-training and the amount that you could try to take to test that out would be about 500 milligrams to 2000 milligrams uh, per day so I would say those who are doing so it's not endurance training sorry I completely added that in there anaerobic training sorry high intensity training so anaerobic training would be um without oxygen which would be very high intensity training um not aerobic training which would be lower intensity so um that's l-carnitine again i have no experience with it but it's just one that has come up a few times with clients and that is what i would know on it so far so by all means if you use it and you find it useful, please let me know. Um, another one, citrulline malate. Now, this is a compound found in food also, but it's in small amounts. And basically what citrulline malate um, said to do, this is an endurance or strength training, um, is just help process the waste products a little bit faster when they build up when we train so that we get loads of buildup of waste products or metabolites in the body when we're training um and this citrulline malate is said to help just move that along at a faster rate and it's also shown to increase nitric oxide and that just helps get the nutrients delivered to the muscles that need them um and then from that then can reduce uh, fatigue and improve your endurance training as well so whether you're doing endurance or strength training, 
citrulline malate might be a good one to try out to see if it does um, help you with your recovery or reduce your fatigue due to it just you know moving those waste products around the body faster. Um, six to eight grams, I think, is the daily dose of citrulline malate per day. Um, moving on. So creatine, beta-alanine, caffeine, L-carnitine, um, citrulline malate. Some of these you will see in the ingredient list of like pre-workouts or performance supplements, but you want to make sure that you're getting the correct dosage. So that's why I'm going through them individually because a lot of the time people just read labels in that they'll read the front and if something says, oh, contains L-carnitine or contains beta-alanine, they'll be like, oh, and they'll just take it when they've no idea of the dosage that they're supposed to be getting of, let's say, beta-alanine for it to be effective, and they have no idea of the amount per serving in that product. So people don't look at that. You really, really need to do your research when you are thinking about doing supplements or taking supplements, sorry. Um, I would suggest that you ask a professional or even check with your doctor first, and then make sure you research the actual product and the dosage that is said to be beneficial and that it would work for you. So another one for performance would be beet extract. So beetroot. Beetroot is like a more current one, I suppose. In the last couple of years, I've kind of heard about it. Um, and it's more for endurance sports. So beetroot is like a good source of nitrate. And basically what nitrates do is help with like oxygen consumption during training um because it increases like your serum nitrates in the blood and yes it's in beetroots but that's not to say that you can just go eat a plate of beetroots unless you want to eat I think it's about half a kilo of beetroots before you'll get the dosage like I said that is beneficial it's like 450 to 600 milligrams of nitrates that the dose should be for you to get the effects of it and like, like I said that's half a kilo of beetroots so if someone is saying, oh, I'm, you know, eating beetroot now because it's said to be really good for endurance sports and, you know, I'm doing half marathon or whatever, that's not going to be enough. You need it um, in a more condensed form. So you're going to need a supplement of it. And sometimes you can get supplement juices of it as well. And like I said, it's about 450 to 600 milligrams of nitrates that you are looking for and beetroots just happen to be a good source of nitrates so don't just confuse that and be like oh I'm just going to have loads of beetroots <laughs> so again context is key and you need to know your doses and the amount that is said to be beneficial uh, I'm just going through a list here of ones that I want to cover um, I covered BCAAs last week and that is branch chain amino acids and I covered that last week quite briefly but I'm going to cover it again in this one, just if anyone hasn't listened to the last one. So BCAAs are branched chain amino acids, and they are basically three amino acids, essential amino acids, so ones that we can't synthesize in the body. They are leucine, isoleucine, and valine, or valine. I never know how to say that one. Um, basically, leucine is the most important one, and it is the most important when it comes to muscle protein synthesis. So that is when you're trying to build muscle, and usually that's for people that are trying to get lean. So if you're trying to get lean, yes, you need to build muscle. Don't think it's just the people that want to get big and muscly. Um, if you're trying to lose fat, you're going to want to try and build some muscle. So leucine is really important in that for you to, to signal muscle protein synthesis, you should have a good dose of leucine 
per serving. So three grams is in and around the dosage that you should be looking for. And like I said, it's an essential amino acid. So if you're already taking a whey protein supplement, let's say, you're going to be already getting it. But if you're taking a poor quality whey protein, maybe you're not getting the correct dose of leucine. So you want to check that per serving, are you getting in and around three grams of leucine? If you are not, then maybe BCAAs will help you. But I would suggest finding a good whey protein that has that good dose so that you can get all the other essential amino acids as well, not just those three. So that is something to think about when you are considering buying BCAAs. Like why not get the rest of the essential amino acids rather than just the three? And anyway, if you eat high protein, high quality protein foods throughout the day, let's say like chicken and eggs and meat, then you will more than likely get enough leucine as long as it's spread out throughout the day. So BCAAs, to me, I don't find them something that you need at all, especially if you already take a whey protein, you are going to be covered. Just make sure that you are you know, spreading out your doses of protein and having a source at each meal and not just leaving all your protein to one meal later in the day. So that is BCAAs and that's my take on BCAAs. I'm not a massive fan. I'm not fully convinced, um, but each to their own. Um, the next one I'm going to cover briefly is glutamine. And this is another amino acid. Um, and it, it, we do make this in the body, so it's not essential. I think it's called conditionally essential in that sometimes you might need to supplement it because your body won't make it fast enough depending on the situation. So I think there's something to do with uh, if you're really, really sick or like if you have really bad burns and stuff like that. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but there's times like that when you might need to supplement with it. But it has been shown that it may increase your strength recovery and help decrease soreness as well. Um, so people are kind of looking at glutamine in that light now that it may help with sports performance maybe. Like I said, improving recovery and reducing soreness. And it's kind of been linked with the gut as well and as far as I'm aware it's more so that if you do let's say endurance training and the recovery from endurance training obviously is um, really really important but if you take glutamine then it just helps um, reduce the risk of getting sick after uh, let's say long bouts of endurance training or it helps the gut or the gastrointestinal tract or your GI tract um when you when you are doing a bout of long endurance training so the gut seems to be linked with glutamine but that's as much as I would know about it now with endurance training so again we do make enough we do make enough glutamine um but there are certain times when it's said to be beneficial to supplement with it so if you think that is you I think it's around 0.3 grams of um glutamine per kilo of your body weight so 0.3 grams per kilo per day if you do want to supplement with it like I said you should always look into your supplements I'm just giving you a brief outline of what I know these supplements are said to help with and then if you're like oh that sounds like me or oh do you know what I think I could do a try in that then look into it and see if it would suit you so another one is glucosamine um this is more people get confused because glutamine and glucosamine but glucosamine is for your joints 
and um, it's just said to delay and slow down, let's say osteoarthritis, not osteoporosis. Um, So people that have really dodgy knees or joint pain, um, mostly runners suffer with this. It's very safe to supplement with um, glucosamine and you would supplement in the form of sulfate, so glucosamine sulfate. Um, And I think it just basically slows down collagen breakdown. So it's worth taking if you do suffer with uh, sore knees and you do run, um, especially on outdoor running. So 900 to 1500 milligrams per day. And I think you can take it a few times spread throughout the day with food for glucosamine sulfate. Um, it's definitely been studied. I know I looked at a study that had used up to 3000 milligrams per day. So I suppose depending on your situation it's safe to take up to 3000 uh as far as i'm aware so that's glucosamine um and like i said look into this yourself if it's something sounds like that you think that might help me then at least you're getting the head start now that you can be like right i'm gonna go look into that um i don't think i have many more that i want to cover someone mentioned apple cider vinegar when i put it on instagram um and someone else mentioned fat burners and i'll briefly briefly touch on those um apple cider vinegar again not that much evidence on it um apple cider vinegar has like um acetic acid obviously which is said to reduce starch absorption and slow down digestion so some people find that it does help their digestion if they take it in the morning I don't see the research to support it. Um, I don't take it myself, so I can't say. But that's not to say it doesn't work. So if you find something works for you, by all means, if it's safe to take it, take it. Um, That might be a placebo effect, but who cares if it's helping you? Um, That's apple cider vinegar. Uh, The only thing is that if you take it on its own without diluting it, then just your dental health more than anything. Um, tooth decay I suppose so there's no harm in taking it but I don't see any evidence behind it being beneficial for like your digestion or anything like that but each to their own fat burners I literally I'm going to touch on this because I've no experience with fat burners and unless you are someone that has everything I spoke about at the start of the podcast down to a fine art (laughs) you do not need to be thinking about fat burners so are you sleeping enough are you well hydrated every day are your um stress levels under control is your food on point do you have your macronutrients correct for whatever your goal is is your training correct for your goal what's your recovery like do you take supplements um outside of fat burners all of those things need to be taken into account before you even think about fat burners so to me anybody that's ever asked me about fat burners do not have those uh in line so I just point blank say no like absolutely no need it's not going to do anything for you apart from have side effects um rather than do you any good it's nothing magic it'll only work for people that have all those things already in line so don't go thinking that fat burn is just going to just magically melt all your fat off that's not going to happen sorry to tell you you'd be better off taking skinny tea and sitting on the toilet and losing weight 
Um, I'm not even going to go into those. <laughs> so I think that's me coverage. Um, that is mostly the supplements that I wanted to speak about. Um, actually, one last one, sports drinks. It is one that's really um, easy to get because you can just buy them in the shop. And sports drinks, I think the only thing that I would mention with this is if you're someone that trains for over an hour, then yes, you might benefit from a sports drink. Because what sports drinks are is carbohydrate and water, basically, um, a form of sugar and water and electrolytes. So you sweat out electrolytes. Um, after about an hour, you're going to start to deplete your di- uh, glycogen stores, which is your carbohydrate stores. So having both of them back in after an hour is going to help you and help your performance. So let's say you are a soccer player, then yes, if you're going to be training for over an hour, might be beneficial for you. But apart from that, if you already have a good pre-workout meal and you have a good post-workout meal to replenish your glycogen stores, rehydrate, you're probably going to be okay. I don't think any people that go into the gym carrying a bottle of Gatorade, like you're probably not even burning the calories in the gym that that bottle of Gatorade is. So I just see people strolling on the treadmill drinking Gatorade and I'm like, that is not, (laughs) you've got it all wrong. So keep that in mind if you are someone that takes sports drinks, know what it's for, what it it, um, has in it and why you're consuming it. All these drinks have calories. So make sure that you are aware of that and you're taking that into account. So that's it. That is episode four. Hopefully it makes sense. Hopefully you get something from it. Um, If you have any questions, obviously just drop me a message. Thank you to everyone that's sharing the podcast on their social media. I really, really appreciate it. And of course, please do leave me a review on Apple if you can. I'm going to leave it there and I will be back here next week. Bye.